along the way. And Paul is asking a very soul-searching question. I'd like to talk to you for a little while tonight, just simply hindered. Just simply hindered. I don't know that you have looked at your relationship with God in this regard or not. And if you haven't, I'd like for you to consider it. But I have found in the past number of years of ministry, I have known of some stalwart people that used to love God, serve God with all of their heart, stalwart, stalwart people that quit, that gave it up for whatever reason. And the reasons could be vast, it could be many, but nonetheless, something happened in their life and they gave up, they surrendered their relationship with God. And I have found, particularly with my experience with Grace Church, that a lot of folks have suffered uh, very negative, very disappointing preacher-slash-pastor relationships. I've been very transparent with this statement through the years. I have people in my wake as pastor that I've let them down and some of them are not serving God today, and I would to God I could go back and do some things over. But sometimes it's a preacher that causes people to quit, or at least that's the excuse they use. Other times it's church people. People get their feelings hurt by another church person, and uh, they choose to use that as an exit to walk out the door. But others are tempted by worldliness they want to do things that are in the world that perhaps church parameters don't condone or 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 permit the bible doesn't the preacher teaches things and so on and people reach a point where i don't want to do all that anymore i want to just go out and then enjoy the world and that's been a huge hindrance for people who at one time served the lord with all of their heart. And all of you know that I was born and raised in this area, save the 10 years we were gone out in the ministry. was born and raised in, in Baton Rouge. I mean, Sister Murphy and her parents lived in the house right behind the church. And uh, I know a lot of folks in this area, and I have know a lot of people that at one time were stalwart in, relation, in their relationship with God, but something happened. So I want to talk to you about that tonight. I want to talk to you about things hindering you that can ultimately rob you of your relationship with God. And if you can put your phones down and your iPads down and that kind of thing and you know, refrain from Google and that kind of stuff during church, uh, just for a few minutes, I don't plan to talk to you long. Somebody said one time the definition of a quitting point, the definition of a quitting point. Now, there's folks here tonight that says, well, this don't apply to me. But what you're not considering is you don't know what you're going to be facing tomorrow. And uh, I don't think we take God for granted. I don't think we should take God for granted. I don't think we ought to take our relationship with one another for granted. Brother Holland, Brother Jerry Holland that was just here, sent me a very perplexing text message this past Friday. It's Friday afternoon very random, and, uh, but it shook me. It shook me to my core. 
and especially knowing Brother Holland, and I've had this Bible study on my mind for a number of weeks. This isn't new uh, with me today. It's, I've had it on my mind for a number of weeks. But he sent me a text Friday, and he just simply asked me a question. How strong is your faith? And knowing the kind of ministry that Brother Holland has, I kept waiting. I didn't respond to him for like two days. I kept waiting for him to say why he sent me that. Is there something ahead of me that I need to be aware of? So I finally texted him back, and I texted strong. And then I texted solid. But the more I think about it, I like to think that my faith is strong, and I like to think that it is solid, that I'm standing on the Word of God, and especially in the leadership role I have here at Grace Church, I, I feel very confident that, that God is leading me, and I'm confident with that. But I don't know what tomorrow holds. So I finally called him, and I said, I need for you to explain why you sent me that text, and we had a long conversation, and everything's good. But somebody said one time, a quitting point is when we reach a certain level of physical, emotional, or mental pain. We reach a quitting point and our system begins to shut down. And I would like for everyone to understand here tonight, and some of you have been through them and you have quit, but you came back. Some of you folks have experienced quitting points, but you came back. There's people here tonight that before you came to Grace Church, you weren't going to church anywhere. And there's some here tonight that even if you were going to church, your heart really wasn't in it. At least that's what you told me when you came. So people reach a certain level of physical, emotional, and mental pain. And you give up. I can't do this no more. That illustrates the point right there. (laughs) Bear with our lights. They do that sometimes and we can't figure out why. So what is the cause of a quitting point? What causes people to quit? So if we know that a quitting point is a certain level of physical, emotional, or mental pain, then what causes it? I'm asking everybody to listen. I'm asking everybody to listen. This can be caused by a number of things, and here are a few. Number one, there can be in us a low tolerance for problems or pain. I'm going to define that a little bit more. There can be a low tolerance for certain kinds of problems and certain kinds of pain. And it's interesting to me that I know folks whose jobs stress them out of their mind. I know people tonight that have jobs that just call on them 24-7 and and it seems like you're never away from the job. And they put up with all kind of stuff with their their staff and their personnel and their employees. and, And they put up with all kind of stuff and have to fire people and hire people and all that kind of stuff. But one little thing goes sour at church and they're out the door. Y'all on board? So people can have a high tolerance for stress and anxiety and all all of that on a domestic level or even a career level. But a spiritual level, they have no tolerance for it. Does that make sense? 
A quitting point, a cause to quit, can also be the result of past habits that you get enveloped with guilt and condemnation and you've never, you've never gotten your head around things that's happened in your past or things that you've done in your past. You've never reconciled with it and after a while it enveloped you. It may simply be our predetermined expectations of how things should be. So it's, you, you have a vision for life, you have an expectation for life, and when life fails you, when circumstances happen in life that you don't expect, there's people here tonight that are divorced that never anticipated that to ever happen to you. When you married Mr. So-and-so, when you married Mrs. So-and-so, you thought, this is it, this is for my life, I'm madly in love with this person, and something happened. That thought could be carried and you could put anything you want in the blank. We don't expect to lose children. We don't expect to have our kids backslide. We don't expect our kids to become drug addicts or we don't expect our kids to become out. Life can fail you when your expectations are one way. Life can come and blindside you and you can't handle it. So here's the devil's strategy for you. And that is... To find whatever it takes to make you quit. Whatever you're the most vulnerable to is what the devil will use against you. If guilt works on you, he will guilt trip you to death. If condemnation works on you, he'll condemn you to death. If, if you, you can put whatever you want in that blank. The devil knows our weaknesses. He knows our weak areas. Listen to pastor tonight. The devil may be defeated, but he's not stupid when it comes to dealing with humanity. He always will attack us at what he thinks are our weakest points, our most vulnerable points. And so many times, he's successful. (laughs) It has been said since I was a kid, particularly for the Baton Rouge metro area involving two or three, four parishes, whatever. I don't know how many churches. But if all the backsliders in this area alone would come back to God next Sunday, all of our churches could not hold them. Why are they backslidden? Because the devil found something that would hinder them. Listen to pastor tonight. Everybody listen. He doesn't mind if you even continue to go to church as long as you're not effective. In your prayer life, in your praise and worship, in your impact on others, you can come here and sit until the cows come home. He don't care. But when you start wanting to be effective again, he's coming after you. Yes, he will. Has anybody experienced that before? Say amen. We had four that's experienced that, maybe. So let me ask a question tonight, and you'll see it on the screen. What would it take, what would have to happen for you to bail out on a commitment? To bail out on your marriage, to bail out on a friendship, to bail out on your faith. What would it take to make you quit? 
What is the threshold of your quitting point? What, what would someone have to say or do that would cause you to want to give up your relationship with God? What circumstance would cause you to want to stop living for God? The devil is continually trying to figure these things out with you, and he is continually trying to make these things happen. Do we understand that? If I could just get a strong denominational nod. So I want to give you several questions to answer. I'll give you about three questions to answer tonight, and I'd like for you to answer them strongly in your heart, in your mind, and your resolve, what have you. The first question I want to ask you is what I must know. If you don't want to, if you don't want the devil to know your quitting points, and, and if you want to get rid of them, if you have any, you want to get rid of them. You want to get rid of them tonight. So what, what you must know, what you must know, is first of all, you have to make a decision right now to change. You have to be willing to change. Here's the thing about change. I mentioned it briefly Sunday in my message on repentance. Is, and this is a kind of an aftermath of, of Sunday. Um, when you make a decision to change, what people don't realize is you're continually changing anyway. You know, there's people here tonight that are divorced. You didn't plan that. It just happened. That, there wasn't a change in your life that you planned. There's people here tonight that work at a different job than you did a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. You didn't plan on that change. When you went to work for that company, you just quit. You led them to believe that you're going to make a career out of this company, and you wasn't there hardly no time. We're constantly changing. Your kids are growing up whether you like it or not. I mean, I panic when I realize that I've got a son that's bumping 40 now. I can't believe it. I'm not old enough to have a son that's almost 40 years old. But we're constantly changing. And I, I told somebody, I told Sister Murphy, as a matter of fact, the other day, I hate the fact, I hate the fact that I'm 60 years old. I hate it. I don't want to be 60. I still want to be 25. <laughs> I don't know if I do or not, but sometimes I think I do. <clears throat> the point is, is that we're constantly changing. The problem with our changing is we're not changing into a better person we make lateral moves we make lateral changes but are you closer to God today than you were a year ago are you impacting the kingdom of God more now than you were a year ago if you're not then you're not changing vertically to God and horizontally to the people of God you're just doing lateral change so you're changing why not use that change to better yourself you take away quitting points when you do that. You're not as vulnerable to the devil when you change for the better. There's people here tonight that was playing you like a fiddle, and you're letting him, and you know you're doing it. But you, you don't have the wherewithal on the inside of you say, okay, I'm going to stop it. You have to make a decision to change. Number two, you increase your capacity to deal with problems and disappointments. This is what you must know if you want to get rid of these vulnerable areas in your life that where the devil can attack you. You must increase your capacity to deal with problems and disappointments. These things are going to happen in life whether we like it or not. 
And you can check out on life if you want to and become a drug addict and a medication addict and whatever else addict you want to become, but that don't diminish the problems and the disappointments. And I want to stress and do everything I can to pound this point home tonight. There's going to be things that happen at church. I told the church when it was in Baker going on 25 years ago, I'm going to hurt your feelings. I'm going to let you down. I'm I'm going to disappoint you. I'm not a perfect pastor. The third thing is to strive for maturity and understanding. Strive to understand. Be able to take two steps backwards when you're in the middle of a battle going on in your life. Take two steps backward and look at the big picture. <clears throat> Number four is deepen, uh, the deeper our maturity and understanding, the easier it will be for us to develop an attitude of excellence. I wish I had time to really jump in all this night. It's doing away with the I'm going to take my toys and go home kind of attitude. You do away with that. David said, people are blessed. God said, you know, God blesses people who love my law and nothing shall offend them. Maturity and understanding is knowing that everything in life is not going to go my way. Even Christian people will hurt you. Pastors will hurt you. Preachers will hurt you. I've had to spend time with people in counseling where a preacher, an evangelist, prophesied to them and said, in so many months and days, da 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 is going to happen, and it didn't happen. And they're all let down and confused over it. So I spent hours trying to explain the bottom line. The man wasn't plugged in at that moment. He just said something he thought sounded good, but it wasn't a God thing. And it, so, But you have to be careful not to diminish the faith that people have in the ministry when something like that happens. But maturity and understanding will help you understand that. So you, and you strive to be patient and be willing to endure. If the devil knows that so much pressure will make you quit, he's going to pour on the pressure. Yes, he will. And remember, everybody remember, that we walk by faith, not by... writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10, 36, you have need of patience. That's cheerful or hopeful endurance is what that word means. That after you have done the will of God, after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise, maybe. The Bible teaches endurance and patience and what have you. Maturity, understanding, patience, and enduring don't come cheap. There's a price to pay to get it. And most people don't want to pay that price. But if you will, it'll make you a better person. It'll make you more patient and long-suffering. And you'll understand some things. You don't get your feelings hurt so easy. And you don't quit so easy. I've heard people say, and I've said it as a young person, boy, I sure wish I had the faith of old brother so-and-so. But I don't want to go through the stuff he went through to get it. We want microwave oven faith. Heat for 30 seconds and you got it. It don't come that way. It takes a lifetime of being tried, but when you're tried and refined, you come out as pure gold, the Bible said. Thank the Lord. So there's a price to pay for patience and understanding and maturity. Yet without these qualities, you'll never be able to handle the blessings and the successes that God wants to bring to your life. I'm going to be real blunt here tonight, but I've seen so many people mess up blessing and opportunity in their life, and I have, because you get stupid. 
If people could get their head, keep their head on straight. Keep their head on straight. Keep your head on straight and do the right thing. Don't quit. Don't stop. Do the right thing. God has tremendous blessing on the other side of your trial and your testing and your offense and your hurt and your being let down and all of that. God has you in the palm of his hand. If you're willing to stay there, he will get you through. The second question I want to ask tonight is not only what must you know, but what must you see? What must you see? We receive most of our information about our life and our world and our relationships and even God through our eyes. We, we harvest things through what we see. How we view these things around us affects our thoughts and perception, and our thoughts and perception affects our soul. <laughs> I read years ago, and I've never forgotten it, that people's minds are kind of like concrete. They're all mixed up and permanently set. And I don't know who came up with that, but it's brilliant, whoever it was. And it is so true. And I know from the desk that I sit in, when I talk to people, I have to sometimes feel like a jackhammer. And you get in their head and you just keep... <laughs> and some people, you can break it up and, and you know, kind of throw it all out and re-pour. But other folks get stuck. They get stuck somewhere in their life. They get stuck somewhere in their mind. And it's like a computer booting up, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, windows will get stuck. Apple don't. They're perfect. Apple is perfect. That's <laughs> what they say anyway. But I still like windows. Anyway, it works for me. But sometimes I have to do the Control-Alt-Delete button at the same time, and it just powers everything down. It's, it's, it's the same thing as kind of unplugging it from the wall, kind of. You just shut down and shut it down and then plug it back in, turn it back on, and usually windows will pop right back up. It's a price you have to pay to be a Windows user instead of the hoity-toity Mac users. <clears throat> it's true. I know Mac users, and I get pounded periodically. Dad, if you just get a Mac... Well, I gave that away. Who says it, didn't I? I didn't mean to do that right there, but anyway. Well, she's a hoity-toity Mac user, so anyway, whatever. But we get most of our information about our life, our relationships, and all that, even God, through what we see. And how we view these things around us affects our thoughts and perception, and our thoughts and perception affects our soul. And it's, it's the way people see things. I've had people sit in my office and, you know, they, I love to watch body, body language. I, I've, I've studied a little bit. I'm not good at it. I'm not a policeman, interrogator and all that. But you can kind of tell when, you know, people do stuff with their head and their eyes and when they're laughing and joking, but when they get serious and when they get serious, they like that two chin, double chin, you know, more chins than a Chinese phone directory look. That's a lot of chins in the phone directory in China, if y'all didn't catch on to that. So, all right. <clears throat> anyway, but they like to do this. Well, the way I see it, Pastor, that's the problem right there, is how you see it. And when I respond to that and say, I don't see it that way, 
and then there all of this under here goes this way because <laughs> they disagree no 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 and i can't say no once i have to repeat it multitudes of times no 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 that's not the way i see it y'all get the point that's the problem and we can sit here and smile and everybody understands what i just said and everybody knows people that have done that what we are failing to do here tonight is to put ourselves in that spot where you have a bad attitude a bad spirit and it's because you got your feelings hurt, you got offended, something bad happened in your life, and now everything you see, especially in through into spiritual things, into the Word of God even, even God Himself, you look at all of those things through that lens of disappointment. It's hard for Brother and Sister Wheeler to be here tonight and to have such an excellent attitude being that they buried their son who was age 25, 6, this past January. And it would be easy for both of them to say, but this is the way I see God. It's going to be different the way than I did because I haven't lost a son like that. Y'all get me? Y'all, am I communicating okay? It would be easy for me to paint God into this beautiful, beautiful thing and how he controls all of our life and then set Dave and Farrah down and say, tell me what you think about God, knowing what all they've been through. And it would be real easy for them to put on the lens of almost losing their son and losing their house and all of their possessions. It'd be hard. It would be easy for them to put on those lenses and from now on see God through that lens. And testified that God does periodically fail people. Brother Holland's text is still just blowing up my brain. How is your faith? So I want to ask you that tonight. How is yours? Do you feel like you're stalwart? In your relationship with God, do you feel like that tree that the psalmist explained, a tree planted by the water and shall not be moved? Are you that person? There's folks here tonight that have mastered the tough situations. There's people here tonight that have suffered loss and has been, to excuse the expression, have been to hell and back numerous times. But they're still stalwart. But that doesn't mean they don't have a weakness either. The devil just hasn't found it yet. So it's up to us to know what we know and to let our convictions run deep and our feet standing on the Word of God be planted. It's imperative that we understand that. Y'all hearing me tonight? Uh, so and it's imperative that when you look into the future, that the future in your relationship with God especially is not going to be a repeat of the past. God is on a journey, and he... He don't like to take you down the same street twice. And if you pass the test, he'll take you down another part and he'll continue to develop and work in your life. But you have to be willing to grow in maturity and understanding. You have to grow in endurance and, and understand that life isn't always going to be fair. But you do have to understand that God is always fair. And he does not put more on you than you can bear. 
with the two families I just referenced. I have one more question and then I'll conclude. With the two families I just referenced, I don't know if anyone ever said about either of them that if they ever faced this situation, it'd probably take them down. I don't know if anybody ever said that or not. But apparently, the devil thought it would. So he tried. And God allowed it. But they're still here. And with the bunches, they're still here. Everybody understand. So we have to keep our eyes clear and look sharp into the Word of God and, and look at the big picture. And it's hard for me to paint that big picture other than that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is, is our inheritance. It's the earnest of our inheritance. And it will sustain you from here to heaven. It will. Jesus said, I'll send you another comforter. He said, I will be in you. And I've learned a long time ago that if God be for us, who can be against us? And I've learned that. And I don't know... Tonight, I'm a little fearful myself that maybe I have something, a weakness, that if something happened to me, it would hinder me. It would hinder me as pastor of this church. It would hinder me in my marriage. It would hinder me as a parent, a grandparent. It would hinder me in moving this church forward. I'm being honest here tonight. Everybody, we don't know. We, only it can be said about Jesus that he was tempted or tested in all points. Everything life could throw at anybody, it threw at him. And he made it. But he assures us, if he can, we can. <laughs> and I, I take comfort in the fact that God don't put more on you than you can bear. And I don't know why bad things happen to good people, and I don't know why good things happen to bad people. I know that David asked the question, how do the wicked prosper? But he said later on in that psalm that when I went to the house of God and saw the end of the wicked, now I understand they're not prospering. In the end, it's going to be bad. So Jesus said, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thy eye be single, the whole body will be full of light. Meaning that if you keep a single focus, you don't let the circumstance stuff derail you. And you don't let the past derail you. And you don't let offenses derail you but you keep a single focus and God is my focus and I'm going to stay focused on God and I'm not going to move to the right nor to the left and I'm going to keep my focus on God and I'm not going to do like Peter when I'm walking on stormy waters and I'm not going to take my eyes off of Jesus I'm going to keep my focus I'm going to keep my focus so that nothing will hinder me and then finally tonight is not only what is it that you must know what is it that you must see? But number three is, what must be in my heart? I want to begin by saying that David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. And scripture ignorance, there's no excuse for it. We don't study the Bible because you're not interested in the Bible, because you don't feel like you need it. Until you're blown away by something. And then all of a sudden you wish you had all that biblical knowledge. You get the point. So what makes a heart healthy is what we feed it. What makes a heart healthy is what we feed it. I was comforted this past, I believe, Friday night. Yeah, Friday night, this past Friday night. Sister Murphy and I splurged, not as much as Chris and Hannah Lewis did. I won't tell you where they went. If you want to know, you'll have to go ask them. We saw them on the road and invited them to come meet with us, and they went, I ain't going there. The place we chose was, 
compared to where they were going. Anyway, we went to Five Guys. That's a good joint right there, buddy. They make a good hamburger. If you don't like Five Guys, you need to get out of here right now. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. It's okay. <clears throat> but I was so comforted when I went to Five Guys and I ate my greasy hamburger and I ate them delicious, fresh cut fries dipped in ketchup. Oh. How late are they open? Anybody know? Uh, <laughs> heading there after church tonight. Brother Willie, you're going. <laughs> we'll go with you. <laughs> That's right. My doctor walked in. <laughs> he didn't recognize me. I went to this doctor when I was like six years old. He's been my doctor a while, Dr. Herschel Dean. And he sat down and ordered him a greasy five guys hamburger with some French fries. So I walked over to him. Hello, doctor. Love his voice. He has a great, sweetest man on the planet. Hey, Rev. How you doing? I said, I am doing wonderful. Seeing my doctor eat here, buddy, I am on cloud nine. <laughs> he didn't like that too much, eh? <laughs> So I've learned a long time ago that you don't get to 200 and something pounds like I am without going to five guys once in a while. That's right. But bottom line, what makes your heart, spiritually speaking, healthy will depend hugely on what you feed it. If you dwell on the negative and you only look for the negative, I love that old adage people said, I ain't going to church with a hypocrite. Well, would you rather go to hell with one? Think about that next time you get cattywampus with somebody. I hadn't said that word in years. My mother used to say that all the time. That just popped up, buddy. I get nervous sometimes at what just pops up on the hard drive and just comes out. <laughs> cattywampus. I hadn't heard that in forever. I don't even know what it means, if it's even a real word or not. But what will make your heart healthy is what you feed it. The Bible calls this treasure building. Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure where? Heaven is the answer. Lay up yourselves, Jesus said, treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal, for where your treasure is is where your heart will be. The wise man said in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Jesus said, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh a good man out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And the evil man out of evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So the answer is to define things in life the way God would? That's the answer. So between each circumstance and your attitude concerning that circumstance lays your perception of that event. When we choose to break through quitting points, we actually begin to disarm the devil. 
When we break through something that has stopped us in the past, we gain maturity, understanding, patience, and enduring to be able to do battle again and to do battle with it again and to be victorious this time instead of failing. Every time we break through a quitting point, it's, it's a disarming of our enemy. We need to render him totally at a loss for what he needs to do to us to hinder us, to make us quit. In other words, he is a loss as to what can make us quit. I want the devil to know that there's nothing he can do to me to make me quit. Amen. Go ahead, give the Lord some praise. So notice the screen in conclusion. Our behavior can cause us to mess up our lives outside the church. But our attitude can cause us to mess up our lives inside the church. Both can be devastating, and we need to understand that. Too many of us suffer from the malady of an attitude trained by our circumstances rather than by the Spirit of the Lord. We let our circumstances rule our attitude, form our attitude, form our perspective, instead of depending on the Word of God to do that. So I want to ask you tonight, and I'm through. Y'all are now indebted to me 16 minutes. That's right. I keep record. So is there something that could happen to you that can make you quit? If there is, what is it? And what are you going to do to change it this time? So the devil don't beat you tomorrow. And he don't beat you next week. And he don't beat you next month. And that circumstance that made you quit the last time, if he plays that on you again, are you going to quit again? Or are you going to make a fool out of him and say, not this time. I'm going to work through it. Pastor crushed me the other day. He offended me so bad, but I'm not quitting this time. Hello? Uh, So-and-so offended me. They blurted out stuff to me. I hear this periodically. From people, you just don't know how bad, Pastor, so-and-so offended me. Well, good, go get you some rocks and stone them since you're perfect. Or the world calls. Sin calls. There's, there's part of people that are part of Grace Church. We've tried to reach them for years, and they won't have it. They let sin and worldliness have its way in their life. And apparently they like it that way. But they don't have a life. They don't have a future. They're miserable. And their conscience rides them every day. And they're guilt-ridden and full of anxiety, terrified that they're not right with God. We need to turn the table on the devil and say, there's not going to be hindered anymore. I'm going to work through my hard times, my difficult times. If you will, if you will, go pray about it. Go pray first. Go pray first. Spend an hour in worship and see how you feel when you leave. Go pray first and get your Bible and say, I'm going to stand tall and I'm going to do it this time. God bless you tonight. It's been a pleasure to share this with you guys. I love Grace Church. I love what y'all mean to me. And let's pray for one another. Why don't we do that right now? Would you stand? Let's just pray for one another tonight that God would have his way in our lives and he'd keep us in the palm of his hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you tonight, O oh God, to wrap this church up in your arms. It is. But I'm asking you, God, to squeeze hard tonight. 
to let everybody here tonight know that you love them with an undying love. And when life goes sour and it's disappointed, it's not a sign to hit the door. You have set before us an open door. You said so. But we don't always have to take that invitation to leave. We can stay and keep our feet planted. And we can let the roots grow deeper. And the next time storms come, it won't blow us away. And we'll survive. And we'll, we'll persevere. And we'll continue. Because one of these days, a trumpet's going to sound. And I want to be ready for that occasion. I want to be ready for that moment in the twinkling of an eye. I don't want to miss it. I pray, God, that you would help us tonight. Help us to be what you want us to be. Help us to be better people. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. Walk around and greet everybody. Be nice to somebody tonight. They may need somebody to be nice. God bless you in Jesus' name.